Welcome to the Pre-Health Pod. My name is Lexi. And my name is Natalie. And we're a podcast by students for students who are here to meet you wherever you are. How's it going? It's going so good. Thank you for asking. Life is crazy and busy right now, but I'm so excited to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, life is crazy busy for me now too. Um, I'm really excited because my schools have been messaging me about second look for April and mm-hmm. um, I have to look at the schedule. I haven't looked at it yet, but they sent it to me and I'm looking at flights for flying to the East Coast and I'm like, ah, it's actually happening. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Are you just beyond excited and just so ready to go see the campus? And Yeah. I'm getting a little angsty. Um, I'm currently working right now, but I'm like, right. oh, I would give anything to just like stop working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to start my journey. Um, I like my job, but I'm like, I'm tired and ready to, to go back to school. Of course. Of course. I mean, that's the whole goal, right? But for yeah. the second look, what would that entail? Is it kind of just a tour? Are you getting to know some of the faculty? What What's kind of the, the goal of it? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> um, I figure it's definitely something that's supposed to help students get to know the campus and like see the university or the school, I guess. I don't know if you can call a medical school university, but see the school kind of like in action. So I assume it's more of just like a tour and getting to know it, but I don't know if they'd maybe do some specific sessions for you guys or mixers where you meet other accepted students potentially. Yeah, they've been emailing me a bunch. Let me take a look right now. So I'm looking at my schedule here and they just released it to me for April and it's Friday through Saturday. So Friday night, we have a little welcome reception. Um, So that's cool. So I think I'll probably fly the morning of Friday so that I can save some money on a hotel and then just go to the reception and stay the night. And then Saturday... It's like an all-day thing with sessions and speakers that they're saying they have. I'm not sure exactly what the speakers portion is. I don't think I have the information yet, but I'm sure it's about like financial aid. Um, Sometimes there are scholarship opportunities for medical students. Like this medical school in particular shared me a document that they put together of scholarships that medical students can apply for that do exist. Um, I'm sure the speakers will be like medical students and maybe some preceptors or faculty members, you know, this is actually a pretty vague schedule, (laughs) but it's just like, like just get ready to get a tour of the medical school and learn more about the program. Um, It's a surprise. I love it. Yeah. Cause I've (laughs) never been to this state. So that'll be fun. It'll be just interesting to see. I'm sure it'll help you a lot to get a feel for where you want to go, even if it's kind of vague right now, or if the events aren't very specific in general, you'll still really get a good sense of what it's like to live over there. So that'll be awesome for you. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Like decision day. I know it's like way later, like it's not for a couple months, but do you know? Oh my gosh, you're right. There's, um, I haven't received any emails about this, but I remember during my interviews in the fall, they said I should receive an email from the AAMC where I like number my choices or rank Mm -hmm. my, not rank my choices. Um, I guess if I have more than three acceptances, I choose three acceptances. And then there's another day where I choose one. 
However, I haven't received those emails yet. So I guess I'll let you guys know. <laughs> I think it's February. Oh, okay. Um, that I start receiving this up, but it's for accepted students at this point. Cause I know there's still some students who are waiting to hear back from schools and the wait list rolls out around April. For sure. Yeah. There's still a couple months for that, but that's really interesting. I didn't know it was a ranking. Is there like any world in which you wouldn't get your first ranking school? It's not a ranking actually. Okay. I guess what my, what I'm trying to say is like, if you have more than three, you have to trim it down to three. Okay. Well, so if, if you have like four or five acceptances, you have to get it down to three. All right. All right. That makes sense. We'll see. Very yeah. stressful. <laughs> Um, I don't have three sentences. <laughs> so I'm yeah, like, it'll be easy for most of us in the general public, I think. So, <laughs> but you never yeah. know. Acceptances are still coming out, Lexi. I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak too soon. So <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back. I don't know. I don't know yeah. anymore. I have some friends who, um, my, I don't know if my schools were like this, but for them, when they interviewed, they have one decision day for all of the interviewees. So people could interview August through February, but they have one decision day in February or March. My schools weren't like that. They were like, we release acceptances rolling like through at different times throughout the application process. Um, so everybody's journey is different. It is. It is. And that's really important to know is just not to compare yourself to anybody or pay too much attention to what other people are doing because everybody's journey is their own. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. definitely something that I've really been noticing too since I've been back at school, but we can talk about that later. Well, <laughs> what are, what's that. new with you? Oh, you know, let's think. I've started classes, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm back at ASU. I moved in at Tempe. Um, I've gotten to see all my friends that I haven't seen in a while because, again, since I was in Spain, it's been almost yeah. a year since I've seen some of my friends from Tempe. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. But um, we've just been hanging out, having a good time, and then trying to start studying because we were already having exams and quizzes and labs. Oh, my studying. God. Yep, yep. But I was actually going to tell you the funniest thing ever was when you were talking about your murder mystery party a couple podcasts ago. I actually got to go to one of those. What? <laughs> I did that recently with my friends here in Tempe. It was like one of the first things that we did when we got back to campus. I mean, college students were really cool. We like to do the murder mystery parties, right? So Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my character, I was Bonnie Lass and I was an investigator from Scotland. I have a terrible <laughs> Scottish accent, but I tried oh my, my best. <laughs> Yeah, so like, was it like South side, North side? Was it a similar murder vibe? Like who killed who? Yeah, it was. Okay. So this, the whole deal of it was I was just visiting. I'm from Scotland, but I was visiting. I think it was in California and it was like this wine orchard, like this grape orchard where they make wine and yeah. the like main guy that like runs it the like, I don't even know if you would call it a CEO of the wine orchard the guy that owns the orchard was killed and so all of like the friends and family and all the secrets were coming out and it was really really fun <laughs> oh my god that sounds awesome did you we get did to... we did not solve the murder oh yeah oh. <laughs> I don't remember did you say that you solved your guys's murder when it happened yeah there was like a big reveal at the end like the way it all worked out oh. um and then they guy with a nerf gun <laughs> the end of it oh that's funny so yours was definitely yeah. a little more involved than maybe because we were just supposed to figure it out and nobody figured yeah it out. 
Well, the person who hosted this murder mystery party bought a package or something with like all of these descriptions. So right, right, yeah, had to be there. A you go, thing. But that's really fun. That's awesome. And I know so. you just moved into your new apartment. Right, moving sucks, but you made it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. But actually, it was a lot easier this year than in past years because it is January that I'm moving in instead of in August and in Arizona. Oh my August god. Is the worst time to be even outside a little bit. So moving a heavy boxes really far distances in the 110 degree heat. Whew, not great. So it was yeah. a little easier in that way. That that was nice. But now I moved into this apartment. I should be here for a while. I'm not planning to uproot anytime soon like you are. Actually, <laughs> oh my god my boyfriend's like can we just stop moving every year <laughs> and I'm like I know you're like yes I don't know I, I have no idea like where people live at my medical school um we have a housing information session actually coming up on zoom in a few weeks and some schools are like you find your own housing some people provide graduate housing so I don't know mm-hmm. I think I want to live definitely with everybody the first year. Yeah, that would be awesome. Get to know yeah. your class. You guys will all get really close, I bet, over the course of the four years. So might as well get started getting to know them early. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is going to sound so funny or weird. I don't know. I'm just nervous about finding my people, Oh, I guess. is sounds cheesy. But <laughs> no, that's I such a like, valid um, concern. I feel like when I was in college... I didn't find my people until later in college. Like the people I truly vibed with, we shared a lot of the same activities and like my roommates, I they were so nice and I really enjoyed hanging out with them and I still hang with out, out with them a lot, but we don't have a lot of the same hobbies um, or same aspirations, you know? And then later in college, I definitely met a lot more friends who are pre-med or very, very ambitious and also have these great dreams of being like, top doctors, you know, just stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I'm excited to go to medical school. And I'm like, oh, I hope I find my people who are also like, you know, really into rock climbing like I am. And, and I feel like I was definitely halfway through college. It was a lot harder to find people like that because of the pandemic and being thrown out of social situations entirely. And so I just hope I can get all that back when I go to school again. Yeah. I mean, I have to say if what you're worried about is you want to be around people that want to be top doctors, <laughs> I think you're going to find your people there. But I know I totally know what you mean. It's definitely something that's a valid concern, but I think you're going to be just fine. Everybody is going to have their own like niche, I think, and yeah. it's such a small community, but I think it's a, it'll be a good thing because you guys will get to know each other really well and then you'll have something to connect with. You know, like you'll find something, (laughs) but I'm sure like, especially if you consider the location of your medical school, that can kind of tell you what kind of people you'll find there. So, and also like the extracurriculars of your medical school, I know that that's also something you've been researching. So if if you're going to a school that has those things, I really feel like it's going to be just fine. You're going to find those people for sure, but it is, it's daunting, whole new group of people, whole new world basically a new place I don't know anybody there yeah a new family (laughs) excited my best friend who is gonna be on our podcast actually next week um she had some new interviews that she might talk about I'm not gonna say where but it's definitely 
a little closer to where I am um, for medical school. So I'm really, really excited because I, at least we can take some sort of trip. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Where we meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And traveling is always fun. You got to get out of your your little town and explore. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I already told her, I was like, we're going to take a trip to New York City for sure. Christmas right. time. Love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can't wait to be updated on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you really need to focus on is keeping up your resolution of doing just dance. <laughs> you know, girl, I did it yesterday. Did um, you? I did oh, a 2000s, a 30 minute 2000s just dance playlist. And my just dance Amazing. unlimited runs out in five days. And I'm like, Ooh, do I pay for it again? Or do I just quit now? And I was like, I think I'm going to keep going. You seem to be, you seem to be enjoying it. I would say keep it going. (laughs) Make sure your apartment or dorm or wherever you live when you go to medical school has enough room to just dance. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be really important. How about your your puzzle? How's the puzzle going? Oh my God. Um, I did not complete it. It was too difficult and I left it at Alex's like family's house and I don't really know what happened to it. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. So I could have been a millionaire, but maybe I just will never be anything. (laughs) Well, that's not true. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) Silly. (laughs) Well, all right. Do you think we're ready to transition? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. um, Well, we don't have a guest speaker for our episode today, but Mm -hmm. Natalie here is still an undergrad in pre-med and I'm still a pre-med at heart, but transitioning to <laughs> the medical school stage of life, uh, of the pre-med journey. And so I know Natalie hasn't applied yet and she's still early on in the process. Um, I so I just wanted to give you the opportunity if you have any questions for someone who is literally in the middle of the application process, <laughs> yes. nearing the end and is, has it fresh in their memory about the application and getting accepted. Yeah. No, I have a lot of questions for you, Lexi. We won't get to all of them today, obviously. (laughs) We never (laughs) do. But I think that there's a lot of things that you have a lot of wisdom about and you can shed some light on for me and anybody that might be listening that is applying to medical school soon. Just those common stressors that we all face and how to kind of deal with them and overcome those issues. So my first thing that I really want to know your advice on is letters of recommendation. And this is a really complex topic, I know. But I just kind of want to see what what your tips are for getting noticed at, by a professor, how to connect with a professor, especially if you don't really know where to start, like you don't have something that outright jumps at you, or if you're at like a big university like ASU, where sometimes you feel like you yeah. might be getting lost in the crowd. What do you have to say about that? No, that's a, a great, great question. And um, I think letters of recommendation are really tough. I will say, I think I've collected them. It took me a while to, to collect mine. I was thinking about my letters ever since I started college, actually, and like what experiences that I was setting up for myself where I was developing these long-term relationships and mentors. For me, um, they were, some of them were from professors who were first my mentors. And then some of them were like my employers when I was a scribe. So one of them, um, actually two, wait, it's funny. It's like, I just applied, but I'm like trying to remember. (laughs) Okay. So one of them was from my private, my principal investigator of my lab. 
Um, I almost said private investigator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know what I was actually really confused about that when I first joined my lab? I was like, what do you mean you're a PI? Are you like yeah. a, a Okay, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, one of them was a principal investigator of my lab. Uh, I think we had a very strong recommendation because I worked for her for fall, all four years of college. And then she also taught a class for me and that I, uh, it was microbiology and um, so she was both my professor and my mentor. And then another um, was one of my guest speakers of the National Pre-Health Conference. So you could be someone who's like a mentor of your club um, or maybe like a faculty mentor, I think of your club is the best analogy to that. Third was my physician that I worked most days with when I was a medical scribe for the ER. If you are applying to medical school, I highly, highly recommend you have at least one physician write you a letter of recommendation, um, especially one that you've worked with, either as a medical scribe, a medical assistant. It's very important. Yeah, that's a um, really good piece of advice. Because yeah. That's not always very easy to come across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Fourth uh, was my second principal investigator when I worked in my lab in Switzerland. I actually asked for that letter of recommendation when I was a sophomore in college because uh, I wasn't going to see her again. I was like, hey, is there anything way you could write this for me? And I stored it in my interfolio. And then lastly- Are uh, you allowed to look at them? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no. are you allowed to look at the letters? Like, how did you store it for two years? Or Yeah, that's a good question. So interfolio is something, is like a data, I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's like a storage for letters. Um, you can link it to your AAMC account. So I go on interfolio and there's like a tab there that's like called letters of interest, I believe. And at the time I put in all of the emails and the names of the mentors who were writing me recommendations. And I they allow you to automatically generate in the request in the site, an email that will send to your recommenders for them to submit a confidential letter of recommendation. Oh. And so they get a private link, they submit the letter and they send it to your little storage unit on your computer. You can't look at the letter at all. However, what's great though about Interfolio is that they'll look at your letters and make sure that there's a signature and a letterhead. There was actually a problem with one of my letters. Um, where it didn't have those two things and that oh. would make it invalid for my application. And so when Interfolio told me that, I emailed my recommender. I was like, hey, I need these two things. I'm sorry, I guess I didn't realize I should have told you in advance, but would you mind just putting those on there and resubmitting? Mm -hmm. um, so that was great. And it was actually really great too because I was initially going to apply my senior year of college. I got my application together and I gotten my four recommendations together, but at the last minute I decided not to apply. So I just keep them stored in my letter for another year. And at the time it was only a year's difference between applying. So it was okay. And it was still pretty early, like, I guess it wasn't too late of a recommendation to still submit with my letter. However, for my fifth recommendation letter, that's the one I got for my gap year that I was doing. So I wanted to include a letter that included information about what I was doing during my gap year to say, hey, I'm still doing some stuff that's still relevant to my application and would make me a competitive candidate for your school. And so that fifth letter was my employer who was a physician. 
um, that I worked with during my gap year. Yeah. And I know that not all med schools require all five letters, but it's like optional to submit extra. Do you recommend just always submitting the total (laughs) number of letters that you possibly can? Or do you think that you should just focus on where you're strongest? Because you obviously had five strong ones. Maybe not everybody does. So what would you recommend for that, that scenario? No, that's a really great question. Um, one thing I would do for sure is look at your school's requirements. Some schools require like a certain number of letters. Other schools don't really require a certain number. They just say we require letters that reflect your experiences. And like someone could say how well you have done in these experiences. So What I highly recommend do actually before you even reach out to any recommenders or do anything for your application is make an Excel spreadsheet and (laughs) put in the names of those schools that you're applying to and write down the requirements for their letters of recommendation. Some of them require a committee letter from your school. Mm. Um, This is something I didn't know about. Yeah. Can you explain? I applied. Yeah. Um, It's a little confusing still to me because Arizona State University doesn't do it. So for example, I think Harvard University is one of them. Um, They require a committee letter, which is basically a letter from your pre-health advising office that is like one summary of who you are and why you could be a competitive candidate. And Harvard said they required this. However, I reached out to my pre-health office at ASU and they said, no, we don't do that. Just let them know ASU is not a participating school for a committee letter. Hmm. And so basically I just submitted like my five singular recommendations. And I believe there was a checkbox that said like, we don't do confidential letters or committee letters. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Well, I'm not the best person to ask about committee letters because I came from a school that doesn't do them. But if you go to another school who does, I would definitely make sure you ask your pre health office in advance for more information. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. I did. I also go to ASU. So I had no idea that we didn't even, we don't even look at those committee letters either. You know, Natalie, they've changed so much in the last two years. Like I'm getting (laughs) emails from them about like now they're doing a pre health application boot camp. And I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. I wish I had that. So things might change. So if you go to ASU, I still recommend asking the advising offices if they, if they do it because they might definitely one day. Yeah. Now that we're getting our med school and they're like putting funding towards that, maybe maybe we're going to be a little bit more developed in that category. But yeah, um, <laughs> it sounds like your your major advice for the letters of rec is to just start early and to start planning early and to really put time and effort into developing those connections outside of class and on your own. So that's an awesome piece of advice. The last thing, I know I'm asking a lot of questions about these, but these are super, super important. No, please ask. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I was wondering if you had any advice on was, do you think that there's any red flags in like professors to look for, for like the people that you maybe shouldn't ask? Or is there anything that you like should not do when you're asking for a letter of rec? So both on the student side and the professor side. What do you think? Well, that's a good question. Sorry, my dog is like, <laughs> my dog's growling at me. Your dog wants to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me add it. Oh my gosh. Um, No, that's a good question. I highly recommend asking mentors or professors that you have done a project with or 
maybe if you've gone to like their office hours, like not just a professor, like in a big lecture setting that you don't know very well. Yeah. Um, or maybe, highly, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Um, I was also going to say uh, maybe if it's like a science professor versus non-science, does that have oh. a and like what kind, like, does that matter very much? What would you say? You know, for me, that is a great question. I remember actually my pre-health advising advisor recommending I have a humanities professor write me a recommendation letter. Mm. However, for me, I didn't have anyone in my experiences that I felt would be able to write me a strong letter. I felt like it was more beneficial for me to have people who could really like showcase my attributes and my experiences very well because I didn't really have a professor of humanities. Like there was, I was, I remember when I was trying to figure out what to do, um, I was thinking about my human event professor from freshman year. Right. But I was like, that was four years ago. And mm -hmm. I did work on him with like one project, but I just felt like it wouldn't be the letter I'd want it to be. I'd rather ask someone else who I recently worked with and it was mm -hmm. more long-term. Um, so I think if you, I, I guess like the, the piece of advice I have is don't seek out a letter because you feel like it's a requirement that you need. Mm -hmm. Like don't just get a humanities professor to write you a letter because you feel like you need that and it will showcase your experience as well. I think find someone who actually mentored you and you had a positive experience out of that and you believe would be able to showcase your attributes well that is a great piece of advice thank you so much for all the wisdom yeah. as always yeah of course <laughs> I think a lot of people have this question I have friends in my classes right now that are because I am now a second semester junior so I have friends that are starting to apply right now oh wow they definitely have letters of rec really on the front of their minds like everybody is concerned who am I going to get a letter from how am I going to do it what do I do yeah so just it's it's something that we're all in this together on <laughs> yeah just don't be afraid to ask your mentors a let for yeah. a letter like it's just make sure to ask them a few months in advance maybe right. like two to three um especially for medical school that's a very big letter and another thing too my mentors got a little confused with interfolio so make sure <laughs> to squeeze in some time for them to like teach them figure out interfolio yeah. um I didn't read any of my letters but there was one mentor who was like can you please <laughs> help me submit this yeah or just show me what to do and I had to walk her through it so just uh just be wary of that yeah yeah the tech part <laughs> yeah nobody thinks about <laughs> but it is important for sure um, so then my next question or something that we want to talk about and discuss is I am back in school right now. I am currently taking anatomy. And if anybody has taken it or has taken it in the past, you know that there is a lot of studying, a lot of memorization, a oh lot my of gosh, tests, yeah. quizzes, practicals. It's crazy how much information we are learning in this class already, but I know it's just going to like skyrocket in med school. But I am also taking my MCAT soon, as we've discussed previously. So a lot of studying is coming up in my future. And I was wondering, yeah. what do you think are some study tactics? How can we all do our very best on all these exams that we have to do? Especially, there's a lot of information and a lot to cover. I know. Um, <laughs> I think the first, like, the best advice I could ever give you is patience with yourself. 
Mm. Um, you're not going to get everything right away. And so true. Please, at least for the MCAT part, stay off of pre-med Reddit and student doctor. <laughs> they will not help you. And yes, ma'am. Like it's just going to make everything worse. Um, regarding actually the actual tactics, I swear by Quizlet Pro. <laughs> You're not an Anki um, girl? <laughs> you know, I tried Anki and yeah, okay. I did it for a couple months for studying for the MCAT. And I'm going to be honest, I just didn't really vibe with it very much. Um, mm. I, I don't know. I just didn't like making my own flashcards in Anki. It, I just, I guess I just wasn't used to it, but I really yeah. like Quizlet Pro. Um, cause I, the one I did pay for, it's like $30 a year, <laughs> but they let you play games on it. And I get very bored very easily just swiping through the Anki cards, but on Quizlet, um, I get to include an image and what I want to include about the term and I get to do a little matching or flashcards or games and it keeps me more interested and I can do it on my phone before bed because Anki, you can't get on your phone at mm. all, but I think you have to pay like $25 for the app. It's a little crazy, but yeah, see, this is really interesting. I wonder if <laughs> maybe your opinions might change as you go through medical school, just because so many people are so such a big fan of Anki and I even during my lectures right now I have like guys sitting next to me like making an Anki as we go through the lecture <laughs> so it's just a huge thing for pre-meds and med students in general so I'm, I'm really curious but this is just something that we can show to see that everybody has a different learning style if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you so yeah totally fine. yeah exactly <laughs> and I felt like something was wrong with me when I didn't like Anki same as Natalie. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, all these medical students, they all use Yonki. I see on yeah. social media, Yonki's like the thing to go. I'm like, why? I don't like it at all. Yeah. Vibe. And I did a lot better on the MCAT after I switched to Quizlet. <laughs> That's <laughs> my awesome. Practice exams. So I'm just going to stick with that for now. But one of my friends who is in medical school right now, I was actually talking him to him about the Anki situation I had. And he said, it's because you shouldn't make your own Anki cards. Just use the ones that are mm. pre-made. You're just going to waste so much time making your own Anki cards and you're just going to start like memorizing what you made. Yeah. Like the words in it, not the actual comprehension or understanding of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas Quizlet confuses me so much in the games that I can't ever memorize it. I still <laughs> have to try to understand it. <laughs> That's true. I bet when you get into those complex topics in medical school, I feel like the games might not be as useful as they are for like when yeah. you're in high school and memorizing vocab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So we'll see. But for studying in medical school is a lot different than undergrad because some medical schools have learning specialists who will sit down with you mm. and help you understand how you study best. That is cool. Um, that's what I really like at the, about the one I got into. And I was like, oh, this, is, this will be very different than undergrad because I'm Definitely. actually going to get a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, we love help. Don't yeah. be afraid to ask for help, everybody. That's just such an important thing to know is that everybody needs help sometimes. And we're not all just born with all the information in the world in our brains. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I like Quizlet. Um, I'm a very much a visual learner, so I would write down or draw out all of the metabolic pathways, like the mm -hmm. Krebs cycle and the electron transport chain, and I put it on my wall, or I'd take a picture of it and upload it to my Quizlet 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like part of what you're describing is like that active recall, right? Especially if yeah. you're drawing it from memory and you're actually doing the motion to draw it and like writing it out. That's definitely really useful. I've heard for memorizing things. Yeah. And you trick your brain. You're like, oh, you're just drawing a pretty picture. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It's not protons. It's like shooting stars. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing girl math for studying. Yeah. Seriously. I did girl math today. This is so off topic. Oh my gosh. I was me. like, Alex, if we go for lunch right now, I know we need to get, we were going to make pizza for lunch, but I was like, if we make pizza for lunch, we won't have enough pizza for our party tomorrow. <laughs> so why don't I go get lunch for us at the Korean barbecue place? And it'll be, it'll be free because then we don't have to pay for pizza tomorrow. That is so smart. That's the best example of girl math you could have possibly come up with right now. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, she just explained it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, you got you got free food because you didn't yeah. spend money on pizza. <laughs> but I don't think I'll go back. It wasn't very good, unfortunately. Oh, wow. It was a new place I was trying, but they're opening a uh, a pokey place right next to it, and there's no pokey around me, and I'm really excited. <laughs> I love pokey. You're so lucky. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited for you. You can use it for your, your study snack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess me, because I'm the one who's really studying pretty hard right now, but <laughs> you, you can kind of relax until you get into your medical school, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to study. I'm just kind of like starting to try to make a study plan. That's a really hard thing that I know a lot of people yeah. kind of struggle with, especially when you're getting into the MCAT, because the study plan is over the course of such a long time. And it's so important to know exactly what the internal deadlines are and what you're expecting of yourself, but then also to give yourself just some flexibility in a grace period because we're all human. So yeah, yeah. Um, That was really tough, but yeah, for, for me, I think the best way I managed that was blocking off time in my calendar, not trying to find time wherever I had time because I never had time. I had to block off like I wake up at 730 and at 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm sitting down and studying and getting up for a quick snack every hour or something. Um, so I highly recommend doing that if you can. Yeah, no, that's, I think I will. I will definitely be blocking out some time specifically because otherwise I don't know if I'll be able to stay on track. So, and I bet yeah. a lot of people feel the same way. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. Those days where I'd like calculate how many questions I have to do oh to finish gosh. my QBank within these few months is, was mm. exhausting, but see, like <laughs> That's just this whole new vocabulary and everything. Like people that haven't started studying for them might not even know what we mean by like calculate how many questions you need to do in your Q bank. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, of course. I also wanted to ask you because when you're making or when you're kind of on your path to applying to medical school, you want to make sure that you're doing activities with regard to volunteering and research that you really care about, that you're yeah. interested in and that really spark your passion. Because if you don't, then it won't, because people who do that, right, it's, they're just checking a box and checking that yeah. box is not going to be impressive to anybody on a med school like committee. Right. Right. So what, how do you recommend getting involved or how do you recommend that you, a student could find these research or volunteering opportunities that matter to them? If maybe they're like, I can't find anything I'm interested in. How, where do you start? <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Um, kind of a broad question. <laughs> yeah. You know, it sometimes it's so hard to figure out what you're passionate about until mm-hmm. you actually do the activity. Exactly. Um, so try new things. <laughs> I know trying new things and seeing what you don't like, but I guess like an example I could give, um, and honestly, Sarah, who was on this podcast earlier, she actually talked yeah. about this where, <laughs> you know, if you're someone who joined a research lab, you thought it was interesting, but a few months into the lab, you're really hating it. Mm-hmm. And, but you're like, oh, I want to keep going because I know this is a requirement for medical school. Do yourself a favor and find a new experience or activity for because sure. you're doing a disservice to yourself and your lab. And that lack of passion you have for that project will absolutely show in your application and in your, yep. in your interviews. In my interviews for medical school, they asked me about my research and I really enjoyed what I did. And I felt like I was making a huge impact on my, my society and my lab. Yep. Um, and so I was really excited to talk about it. I wasn't having to like pull it out of me. So yeah. And not only that, you don't want to waste your own time, right? If you're doing something right. you're not interested in, you're just wasting your own time that you could be doing things that are going to help you way more. So yeah. And so I'm sure you could share those, those like experiences or expressions with your PI and be like, Hey, I don't think this is for me, but I really appreciate your time and uh, training me here. Um, But there are also many, many different types of research experiences. And I'm just going to talk about research for a second because I know a lot of students have love research or either don't like it at all. There's Mm -hmm. clinical research. There's research like where you're working with patients in a a clinical setting. Um, There's wet lab research, which is what I did. I went to a a lab and I worked with like physical bacteria. There's also a dry lab where you can work on a computer, either in person or online. There are many different types and there's like thousands and thousands of projects and and they could be biology related. Um, Mm -hmm. I have some friends though, who are doing stuff like like you, Natalie, actually, we're yeah. working on projects that are a little bit biology related, but also like related yeah, to like a dry lab, film. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, also, it doesn't have to be these experiences all related to your medical school application. Um, I have friends who applied who all in their interview, they only talked about what was it? Running marathons the entire time. Really? <laughs> like that was you the know. only topic of conversation? yes I'm serious like they'll have a one-on-one and they'll be like oh that's cool like why do you think you stand out but I want to learn a little bit more about how you were a swimmer for a long time like that's really really cool like those experiences where you have fun and you're more human definitely make you stand out in your application so don't be afraid to do those and showcase your hobbies yeah showcase your hobbies too like that I highly recommend putting your hobby too on your application mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just, I know it's hard to find activities that you aren't passionate about, but when you look at those listservs that maybe your honors college sends out or mm-hmm. um, like whatever you're getting in your email, take a look and be like, oh, this could be interesting. Try it out. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Move on to the next thing. But if you yeah. do like it, that's really, really awesome and commit to it. Commitment is the biggest thing you can do for your application. If you can show a medical school that you're able to stay in something that you enjoy for one, two, three years, that's impressive because it tells us that you can stay in medical school 
on and commit to it all the way through the end. Cause it's a very long journey. Got four mm-hmm. years of medical school, then three plus four, five, six, seven years of yep. residency, depending on what specialty you go into, then yeah. fellowship maybe, and then you're an attending. So yeah, so um, you need to be committed. Passion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely got to be committed to the journey. So they like to see that early and yeah, just doing a lot of research probably and putting yourself out there, being ready and willing to try new things. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not getting stuck in something that you're not interested in is kind of what I'm hearing from you. A little summary there. <laughs> yeah. Mentioned- like I've done, I've done stuff like that where I've joined a summer project that you could continue, but, um, I didn't really like it or enjoy it. And I just stopped it. And um, yeah. I didn't have enough room to put it on my application anyway. So, you know, because yeah. I decided to put things on my application that I did more long-term than I actually enjoyed. Right. And sometimes less is more too. You don't True. have to fill out all the 15 boxes on your application. Mm-hmm. If you just put like six, seven, or eight that you really enjoyed that you did for a while and that you can really speak about, that also is very like impressive yeah and just like you said like it's important to know yourself doing that introspection like you could tell this was not for you and you decided to act on that and find things that were for you so that's really really important throughout your pre-med journey is know yourself and play to your strengths (laughs) this is all about making you the best that you could possibly be so it's really important to just do a lot of just by yourself reflecting I think (laughs) yeah yeah and And therapy is great for that too (laughs) (laughs) yes everybody go to therapy everybody should (laughs) everybody in the world I think no matter what yeah yeah (laughs) um but then one of the last things that I wanted to ask you about was yeah networking which I think is something that scares a lot of people and a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't know how to do it what to say how to start just what I think that you are the queen of networking <laughs> out there to everybody. I've never met somebody so good at networking as Lexi is <laughs> from the first moment I met her. She was like, Oh, just email all those people. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know if they're going to accept me. She's like, just send them like they like, can email and then send them another one. Maybe <laughs> so you're really good at those cold emails and just developing a network. And you have this amazing NPHC nonprofit that you've started and that required a lot of networking too. So Please give us all the networking wisdom because that's definitely going to get you far if you can network. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Natalie. You're so kind. Oh, you are welcome. <laughs> it's just true. I'm going <laughs> to be honest. Facts. I'm pretty sure it helps that I'm a little bit extroverted. I really mm-hmm. like talking to people. Um, yeah. And so I know a lot of people aren't like that and that's okay. And you yeah. don't have to be like me where I'm like, let's go out to lunch tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> um but I guess, I guess some advice I can give is you're awesome. You know, you're, you're a badass. Like <laughs> you're, you're Remember working that. hard. That, that's like, that's, that's like my really good advice. therapy. Um, anyway, um, you know, don't be afraid to have the guts to reach out because the worst they can say is no. And even though that no might hurt a lot, it's okay. It will hurt a lot less in five years when you forget about it. Um, I've had people tell me no all the time in college for mm-hmm. things like joining a project or applying to, I've actually applied to multiple like prestigious research projects that I didn't get accepted to or scholarships or reaching out to like for potential 
um, what's another example, like a community service project I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. some people be like, no, I don't have the time or no, I can't take you in or yeah. no, I don't want to speak at your conference. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the time or I don't want to do this. It doesn't seem cool. Like yeah. people say that. And how do you and handle okay. that? Yeah. How do you <laughs> handle that rejection? Well, um, I'm really good at not internalizing things like that or get making it too personal. I'm really good at like, okay, I understand it moving on um, to the next because then there are people who will say yes or who are really excited about your project. And that's mm -hmm. something I like to dwell on more. Um, for the networking aspect, don't be afraid to go to those activities like conferences yes. I was at the AMSA conference. And that was a, a really great decision I made to go to. And it, we were really lucky it was in Phoenix this year, but also like poster presentations at your school club meetings and make conversation. Um, I think one of the best views of advice I ever heard and this is actually something Sarah said. She said, don't be afraid to make it all about them ask them so many questions, get them really interested, make like, make yourself really, really interested in them and their project and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to ask lots and lots of questions because then they'll want to share and invite you into their project and their activities. Um, yeah. I love that piece of advice. I remember that <laughs> yeah. episodes. So I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. Um, be professional, shake mm -hmm. their hand. Um, <laughs> I know it's post COVID now and people have gone back to shaking hands. If you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. Um, but there's nothing like a good grip handshake. I've had people like when I went to, I think my in-person interview, I, sh I shook their hand like very firmly in my interview and they were like, you're very professional. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember when we went to the AMSA conference and you said that you took a class on handshaking one time, something like I that, did. like how to have a good handshake. And then you showed me it and like shook my hand and I was shocked. I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. You're not lying. That is, that is a firm grip. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. My mom he made me go to that. Handshakes. I was in middle school. I was definitely the weird kid. Oh, but look, it's better benefited you now look at who's yeah. on top <laughs> yeah my mom made me take like networking classes when I was in middle school yeah um, but I'm really grateful for that now so you can thank your mom too for your superior networking ability <laughs> yeah she definitely made me, not, made me unafraid <laughs> mm -hmm. um I think the best thing you can do for yourself is just don't be afraid which I know yeah. is a lot harder what do you have <laughs> What about like for people that are introverts and have a lot of anxiety yeah. or don't like to speak in front of people? Cause it's, it's a lot harder then, but do you have any recommendations for them? Oh yeah, no, I, I know it's really, really tough. Yeah. Um, there's sometimes, even though I get a little anxious, like to meet people or try to invite people to conferences in person, cause they're just so impressive. Um, I think for me, I just really try to like repeat in my mind that I don't care if they say no, even yeah. if it's not true. I try to convince myself <laughs> of like, I don't care if they don't want to talk to me or fake say it till you I make it. Care. I don't care. Seriously. Fake <laughs> it till you make it. I fake it for sure. I think that's also a really good piece of advice is that you might look around and be like, everybody's so confident. Everybody's so good at this and this and this, and I'm not, it's so hard for me. But in reality, everybody's probably faking it until they're making yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. 
I have done that so many times. Oh my gosh. Um, especially nobody these can last tell. couple of years where I'm like, I don't care what's going to happen. Um, even during some of my medical school interviews, honestly, I, there have been some interviews where I share some aspects of my story and they're like, they say it's one of like the key aspects of why I'm getting accepted into medical school. And then some schools that I've talked to about, they're like, I don't know if that's a good fit to share, or I don't know if I want to learn more about it. And I've been like, okay, well, maybe then you're not the, a good fit for me as mm-hmm. a school. So that's some things that I've talked about. Yeah. But yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's super helpful. I think that we're all leaving this episode today a little bit more uh, ready to apply to med school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> potentially, potentially. Um, but I actually just a little tidbit question, not even an actual question, but I was wondering yeah. if your ideas about your specialty are changing as you're approaching, like actually going to med school. Cause I know everybody <laughs> like, they're like, hate the question of what do you want to do? Like for your specialty? Cause we're all like, Oh, we don't know yet, but it's, it's a work in progress. So I haven't asked yeah. you in a while, what are you thinking about your specialty at the moment that you might want to do eventually? Right now, uh, general surgery, I think fourth year medical student will look back and start laughing. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) you will get there. Um, But that's really what I want to do. And I don't know. It seems awesome. Um, 10 years ago, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. (laughs) That has changed a lot. When I first started college, actually, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. That's completely changed. Um, Yeah, I actually have quite an interest in trauma surgery. Mm, that would be an interesting one for sure see that's one thing that I don't think I could ever do yeah (laughs) trauma is not gonna be my my area of expertise Natalie what did you say you were interested in so I I again because I'm so baby in the process I have a couple (laughs) a couple things that I'm interested in I would either be interested in general surgery like how you were saying but that can get difficult for women unfortunately is that in life sometimes people make you choose between a yeah unfortunately career and having a family so but general surgery is definitely something that I'm considering or anesthesiology Mm -hmm. ER doc um and then the other one was ophthalmology and OBGYN so those are like my top interests (laughs) it's kind of all over the place but they're all (laughs) things that I'm separately interested in and I just need to figure out which one I'm more most passionate about when I dive into it so obviously I have very shallow experience with these specialties so far but those are just all the ones that kind of pique my interest and I'm like hmm (laughs) I know peds and like pediatric surgery because I have a professor that was involved in peds right now and also Um, I took a class last semester where we had a pediatric surgeon give a talk, but I don't know if actually I could do that because they all talked about having a kind of PTSD um, from the things that they would see from the children, just really sad stories that would kind of haunt them at the end of the day. So I don't know if I could do that. And it's important to know like what you can take. And I'm very just empathetic. And so I think that might take a big toll on me over time, especially if I want to have my own family eventually. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's really tough. And I remember when I worked in the ER, um, I would actually meet some kids who have gone through some really horrific things and they'd be shuffled to the ER and it was really, really tough, um, to witness that and go through it. But, you know, um, 
as doctors, that's something that it's really important to talk about, like with a mental health counselor and to, if you do choose to go into these specialties, like we're really grateful to have you be mm-hmm. an anchor for these kids and these people. Um, but it's also important to get help yourself and make sure you're still maintaining your mental health throughout the entire journey. And I know that's something that's been really hard to talk about in our history of medicine um, and really looked down upon for people, especially when they're applying to medical school and or are renewing their boards or becoming doctors is just, it's, it's okay. Go get mm-hmm. the mental health support you, you need. And I think our generation will really help with that as the yeah. years go on. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to see how medicine will even look by the time that I'm a doctor, because it's going to be, you know, a good, good, like 10 years from now, I would say before I'm practicing yeah. and in 10 years, so much could change. So much technology is going to develop and maybe the whole system of medicine might be shifting because that's something that also is kind of an, an issue right now. So it's yeah, really interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was so awesome chatting with you, Natalie. Thanks for asking me all these questions. <laughs> of course. Thank you for answering them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's been super, super fun. And I'm really excited for my next episode. We're doing it with our, my friend, good, really good friend, Hannah Fry. And she is also applying for medical school in the same cycle as me. Um, so we'll talk about it next in a couple of weeks when we chat with her. Um, it's been really fun. (laughs) I think she's like one of my only friends who's applying at the same time as me. Yeah, And she's (laughs) your same age. Yeah. Yeah, we both graduated the same year. Great. So so excited. Everyone, everyone else that I know who's applying is either younger than me. All of my friends from my um my year besides Hannah are already in medical school or decided oh, wow. not to go. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I was like an outlier. I was like, nah, not yet. <laughs> it's, all, it's all your journey. Everybody's yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'll roll the credits. This podcast was produced by Ari Rosenthal and Lorelai Edmonds. You can find our conference on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at National Pre-Health Community or MPHC 2020. You can also find our podcast on Instagram at Pre-Health You can find all of our events, including our next National Pre-Health Conference, May 18th through the 19th at nationalprealthconfcunf.org. And please like, leave a review, or tell one friend if you liked our pod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.